It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Now the Sharks forecheck aggressively. We heard them talk about that this morning and during the pregame show tonight about that being a key. But Vegas gets by. Two on one developing. Here's Stone in front. Score! Tic tac toe! The Sharks were forechecking really aggressively. Vegas moved out. They got on a two-on-one, and Stone exchanging passes really snaps it home at 15:02 to make it one to nothing in favor of Vegas. You know, I thought that we uh, took some water on early in the game. Obviously, at one point it was about seven or eight one-in shots. We spent a lot of time in our end. Didn't necessarily give up a lot of high-danger scoring areas, but uh, um, and then you know I thought the second half of the first period we we generated some chances and. You know, Fleury made some big saves, some very timely saves early in the game uh, where things could have been a little different. But uh, as the game wore on, uh, I thought that, uh, you know, not for lack of effort on our part, but uh, um, you could see it, you, you know, sustain wise, uh, we were a little bit one and done as a team, you know. Sharks are a team that have played five, five games in the last eight days. And I thought you could see that as the game went on. All right. Good morning, everybody. How are we all doing on this Sunday morning? Yeah, that was a bummer. Losing two in a row to Las Vegas and three in a row overall. There's a lot of things that I'm reacting to out of these most recent couple of games here. And I think that ultimately my takeaway is that last night was a bit of what I was afraid of after the overtime loss on Friday night because the Sharks did so much to work themselves back into that game and give themselves an opportunity to win it, and they fell short. And that's not to say that the point they earned on Friday night wasn't well-earned or that I'm viewing it in a negative or anything like that, but when you work that hard to get yourself back into a game and then you don't have the reward and then you have to turn it around you know, 24 hours later and then suddenly Timo Meyer's not playing because he's dealing with a lower body injury in addition to Tomas Hurdle being out, it just seemed like it was a recipe for a team to come out a little bit flat, come out a little bit lacking in maybe the necessary intensity for a multitude of reasons like we're discussing and have that performance where they just really couldn't get anything going. And I know that the effort was there. I thought that they worked really hard, especially in the second half of the first period and creating good looks and Flurry made a bunch of saves because that's what he does. But overall, the Sharks to me, when I was looking, they were flat. And if you want to interpret that as their legs being dead or whatever you want to look at it, that, that's fine. It, it was just a, a flat team to me. And that against Las Vegas playing as well as they are right now, that's not going to get it done. And this is the opposite end of the spectrum of where the Sharks used to be. And unless you're perfect, the talent disparity between Vegas and the Sharks is going to mean that you're going to have a tough time. 
and it was a game where Vegas, I think, was a little bit tired as well. And if you compared the emotional intensity from game one of this series to game two of this series, entirely different dynamic. I think that the Sharks a little bit more in game number one fed off that emotional intensity more than Vegas did. And when that emotional intensity was lacking last night, there was not as much for the Sharks to use to propel themselves to find motivation. And I'm not claiming that they lacked motivation or anything like that, but the Sharks fed off the hotness that was there in game number one. There wasn't as much to feed off of, and the Sharks found themselves on the wrong end of a 4 nothing shutout. That's how it goes in the NHL, especially when you're going up against one of the best teams in the NHL. And I feel that that's something that I've been saying a lot lately, and you might want to view it as an excuse, but there is no denying that the Sharks, in going against Colorado, Vegas, and St. Louis, they've been playing the three best teams in their division time and time and time again. And you watch how this worked out for the Sharks. It hasn't worked out well. The eight-game homestand turned into a seven-game homestand following the postponement of their first game against Las Vegas has not been the feasting the Sharks were hoping for. They only have one win with one game left against St. Louis on Monday night. Thankfully, the Sharks have played pretty decently against St. Louis this year, and I think they have an opportunity to get two points before they go back out on the road and play Anaheim, who I think is another team that they need to go in there and think they should sweep that series if they want to get themselves back into this. Because this, for lack of a better term, and I hate to use the cliches or the tired ideas, is, is gut check time. The Sharks have to look at themselves in the mirror. They have to decide where this season is going to go because with injuries, with the schedule, with everything going the way it has been going, there's a chance that this could be where things start to slip away. And I know it's never over until it's over, but I think that the Sharks have to find uh, momentum out of this and give themselves an opportunity to, to fight back. They have to view this as maybe a bit more serious than it actually is, put themselves in that paradigm of needing to fight back into it, put themselves into that mindset of it's not going to be easy, but they have the opportunity to fight and get back into it. Whatever the motivation needs to happen, however they're going to put a chip on their shoulder, it needs to happen quickly. And it's a weird dynamic, right? Because I don't think the Sharks have been out-efforted in too many games, and I think the Sharks have had themselves in a lot of tight games. They were unfortunately falling short, and I don't think that they've done that much quote-unquote wrong overall. I think that they've had themselves in these games for a reason, and that they've been able to give themselves an opportunity to go into overtime or go into shootouts, and they've had some nice comebacks. Whatever it is, the effort is there but effort and execution are not the same thing, and the Sharks need to work on that execution, obviously, but they just need to work on getting better performances that give themselves a better opportunity to get two points cleanly, not go into the overtime, not go into the shootout, and I am well aware that it is very much easier said than done, but against Anaheim in these next two games when they go back out on the road after St. Louis, they've got to view those as must-win games. St. Louis, as I alluded to earlier, that's a team the Sharks have played tough this year. They've got to view that as a must-win game because the deficit between them and the fourth spot in the West is getting wider with every passing day. The Sharks needed the Ducks to lose last night. They beat the Avs 5-4. The Sharks needed the Kings to lose last night. They beat the Blues 4-3 in overtime. The Sharks needed the Coyotes to lose last night. They beat the Wild 5-2. The teams the Sharks were looking at to lose last night to keep them a little bit closer 
all won, and now the Sharks find themselves in the basement in the West. They have 19 points on the year. Minnesota in fourth place has 27 points on the year. So that means the Sharks are four wins shy of the final spot in the West right now. And it's not just four wins cleanly, it's also four wins while the other teams get a little bit of a dip in performance because nothing is going to come easy for the Sharks right now. That is very, very clear. But the task for Bob Bugner at this point is to figure out how he can optimize what is going on with the Sharks right now. Obviously, there are two priorities for the Sharks. One is to remain competitive and fight for that fourth spot in the West and try and get into the playoffs. No doubt, I am completely down with that. That's what the Sharks need to be working on with the talent core they have. That should be the goal first and foremost, get to the postseason. But also, you're looking at the development of younger players, guys who are getting more of a chance, your Gambrells, your Leonards. These guys have the opportunity now to improve their games and maybe the Sharks can situate themselves a little bit better for the future while simultaneously battling in the present. For Bob Bugner, he's got to figure out how he can maximize that development for the Sharks. And I think that we did see a little bit of that with that line, Balsers, Gambrell, and Leonard. And I'll be curious to see if he uses that youthful vigor and energy a little bit more differently or a little bit more of a pickup or spark line because youthful energy doesn't go anywhere. You've got that youth on your side right now. Use it to your advantage. Try and figure out if it can create a spark. Try and figure out if it can put you back into a game, if they can be the guys that get things going. And I thought that Gambrell actually did have a number of good looks. Leonard had a really good look against Flurry, and Flurry just showed incredible patience in light of the incredibly mature and extreme patience that Leonard showed in the exact same situation. That is a learning moment for Leonard that showed that as patient and as correctly as he played it, you're going to have to be that much better against guys like Flurry or figure out how you're going to go top shelf there to try and get it up and get it over and put it at a bad angle so that he won't be able to make that stop. You love to see plays like that when they happen because it's indicative of Leonard learning and the natural instinct he has, but it's also eye-opening and you hope that he'll be able to adjust in the future because that's how NHL goalies are. They've seen those delays too many times. They know exactly how to be patient. They know how long they can wait before they have to react. They have an idea of what the attacking player is going to get at. Leonard has to use this in terms of experience being a benefit for the next time he is in a similar situation. But overall, I liked the effort that was out there from the Sharks. I just thought that the legs were a little bit tired and Vegas played them a little bit harder, especially along the boards. And with the talent Vegas has, it was simply too tall of a task. And that's why you do look at the talent level that Vegas has and you look at yourselves and you try and figure out how you can develop or how you can acquire that level of talent again to get you back at the level that you expect of yourselves in terms of the overall team performance. There is a perception out there that the Sharks are now suffering for all the moves they made over the course of 15 years of a window. And I don't think that's how Doug Wilson operates. I think he looks at how he can constantly improve his team, what moves can be made, what deals, whatever it can be for the future and for the here and now to ensure that this rough spot in Sharks history is not more than a brief one. Doug Wilson 
his track record, the moves he's made, the way he's been able to improve the Sharks. I don't think that this team with the current talent core that it has is that far off. What it is right now is a team that is not as experienced as it needs to be to complement those top-level players, and you're also dealing with key losses right now, most specifically Tomas Hurdle, while going up against some of the best teams in your division. And I understand that you have that willingness, like I alluded to earlier, to call those excuses. And sure, go for it. Those are excuses. But I also feel it's relatively valid. The Sharks' young players have not yet reached that next stage in their development. You combine that with the lack of a Tomas Hurdle and in the second game of this series, most specifically, the loss of Timo Meyer. That's two of your bigger, more experienced bodies that are going to be able to contribute to the attack. It means that life is that much harder overall. And like Bob Bugner alluded to after the game, the grind on back-to-back nights, especially for those younger guys who aren't as experienced with it, it's going to be that much more difficult for them. But if you try to find the positive within the negative, and I'm not going to be so patronizing as to call that a silver lining, because there is no silver lining when you lose to Vegas, but there was some experience gained for these guys. Now, they know a little bit more about playing in big-time home rivalry games, and they see the energy that Vegas brought. One of the big talking points out of these two games, especially with how unbelievable it is to be able to hear all the communication and the conversations inside an empty arena. And for me being there the last two nights, it's been a phenomenal to be there in the building again, because it's just, you miss a being at live sports, B being inside SAP center and C there is such a different appreciation for guys and their play when you're seeing it in person. But Vegas has an incredible amount of fire and noise and chatter on their bench And I know that that's not something that you necessarily want to hear, but it's something that I want to see the Sharks develop. I want to see more of that team development. I want to see more of those guys cheering and yelling for each other. And I think the way that Vegas was doing it, especially to be able to hear it with no other sound drowning it out, it was eye-opening. Those guys are all fighting and diving and playing for each other, cheering each other on, making big stops. It reminded me kind of like a team in the NBA with the way that the benches are exceptionally demonstrative. It reminded me kind of with what we've seen from the Golden State Warriors over the last couple of years. Obviously, when you're at the top, it's a little bit more easy to be uh, demonstrative with those celebrations and keep the chirps going, but I appreciated it. I liked that they had that sort of overall volume and that confidence. And it's something the Sharks, I hope, will look at and say, why is that same mentality not being found here? Why are we not cheering each other on more and being more vocal in terms of support? The Oakland A's, in terms of comparison, have had a very vocal, had had a very supportive clubhouse for the last 20 years of their Moneyball era, or however you wanted to define it, the Billy Bean era. And that's one of the things that's been huge in terms of their clubhouse, in terms of their production, in terms of the overall vibe for the team. It's supposed to be a very, very fun place to play where guys are supporting each other and make up for some of the lack of the finer amenities that they they don't have because of the Coliseum being a very old, old building. But the idea is that guys, when they come to the A's, They have a great experience. They enjoy the clubhouse. They enjoy the teammates. They enjoy the camaraderie. And I'm not in any way implying that the Sharks right now do not have that camaraderie, do not have a team where guys are very, very uh, supportive of each other. But 
I think you want a little bit more of that frat house mentality, a little bit more of that overall just boisterous, loud. It was it was great to see it from Vegas. And I know nobody here wants to see me, you know, heap praise on Vegas, but I couldn't help notice how much fun that that bench was having during the course of the game and how loud they were, how vocal they were. The reaction is to say, well, of course, Ted, they're at the top of the division. They have a lot to celebrate right now. I'm a bit of the mind that the Sharks should act like they have more to celebrate, even though they don't. It might have a little bit of a positive effect in terms of the mentality of the team. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with the way that Logan Couture and Bob Bugner have been setting things up. I just think there are positive impacts of having a loud, boisterous bench. And it was something that I couldn't help but notice when watching Vegas these last two nights. For sports as it is in life, reality is what you make of it. And I'd like to see the Sharks create a reality that is a bit more, not necessarily fun-loving, because you want them to be serious and you want them to be engaged, but at the same time, it's almost like they should embrace what's happening right now and the type of crazy season that they've had to go through already up to this point by far more difficult than anybody else in the NHL. It's not about turning negatives into positives. It's about embracing your reality and turning that into a positive mindset. While we're going with comparisons to other Bay Area sports teams, in the 80s, when Roger Craig took over as the Giants manager, he said, hey, instead of complaining and moaning about Candlestick and how windy and how awful it is, let's embrace it and make it part of our reality in terms of positivity. I mean, right now, the Sharks, because they are eight points out and in the basement in the West, they are not fighting specifically for that four spot. They're fighting to be that much better than they were the game before. They're fighting for each other. They're fighting for their jobs. They're fighting for their development. They're fighting for their pride. And you have to look at every little possible advantage you can find for yourselves every single way you can eke out that much better of a performance than you had previously. For me, maybe being a bit more vocal in terms of your support for everyone, maybe that's a step the Sharks need to take. I know there are no cheap, easy tricks or gimmicks that are going to turn performance and make it be better than it's been, but when you have personalities like Ferraro, like Burns, or like a Tommy Hurdle, Guys that are known for being loud and fun and boisterous and enjoying themselves. See if you can get that to be relatively infectious for the rest of the team. You've got nothing to lose. All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we are going to get into some reaction uh, from Bob Bugner as well as Devin Dubnik from the loss last night against Vegas. You're on Morning Tide on the Sharks Audio Network. Coors Light wants to help you catch a Sharks game from the best seats in the house. Just share a photo of your Sharks at-home game setup to sjsharks.com slash home ice for a chance to win Coors Light Silver Seats tickets, Sharks gear, and more. Winners will be chosen weekly, so post a pic showing how you watch the Sharks to sjsharks.com slash home ice today. 2021 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Must be 21 or older. Celebrate responsibly. Now the Sharks have some room to make some speed. Here comes Balsers down the left wing side. It across the blue line, shoots in deep. Carlson goes into the right corner, fed it back to the point to Leonard. Fed it off the end boards, and it caromed, unfortunately, in the direction of Gambrell, but off the side of the net. If it didn't hit the net, it would have been on the tape. 
Instead, in front of the net. It's Leonard all by himself, takes the shot, and it's stopped by Fleury. Rebound, Carlson a drive. Blocker board saved by Fleury, and the puck's out of play. Wow, John Leonard knows how to score goals, but doing it against Marc-Andre Fleury was quite another matter. Oh, no, no, it just came out of last night, and it was a lower body thing, and it's, like I said, it's nothing serious. It's not uh, structural or anything like that. It's just uh, more of a, he's banged up a little bit. Yeah, I think you look at that line that we played against, uh, you know, Rudy Balsers, Dylan Gambrell, and Johnny Leonard against, uh, you know, the, the Carlson, uh, Marcia Smith line. It's pretty obvious to see it's a little bit of a mismatch. Young guys, a little inexperienced in the league. And, and uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's what's going to make those guys better. And, and, and uh, yeah, it's a big loss for us, obviously, Tommy Hurdle and, and not having Timo tonight, especially in a back to back situation. Um, five games in eight days. Um, the guys that tire out quicker seem to be the guys that aren't used to this kind of a grind schedule and that's the young guys. So, you know, I thought we worked hard. I thought that, uh, we did a lot of good things. Um, again, flurry, I thought was a difference, uh, definitely in the first half of the game, but I thought we worn out a little bit towards the end. Welcome back to morning tide everyone. And now Bob Bugner out of this two game series. And especially last night without Timo Meyer, he has had the opportunity to afford his younger guys, a little bit more experience playing against more top level opposition. You look at that second line of Balsers and Leonard and Gambrell. They were a little bit out of their element. I'm not going to lie, but that's big time experience that will allow them to flourish into better players down the road and getting the most out of a loss like we saw last night for me is getting that youth experience, getting those guys, those opportunities to become better players. Here's Leonard after the loss on that opportunity. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, every night I'm in the lineup, I got to look at it as an opportunity and, um, you know, opportunity to prove myself and, uh, you know, help the team win in it any way I can. And obviously we're missing, uh, two big guys right now and, um, hopefully they'll be back soon, but, um, yeah, uh, every night's an opportunity for sure. And I don't think that's just lip service. I'm sure he has Bob Bugner. I'm sure he has Logan Couture. I'm sure he has Brent Burns. I'm sure he has whoever it is in the Sharks' leadership structure telling him, look, look at your friend Mario Ferraro. Last year, he had an opportunity to prove himself, and now he seems to be one of the cornerstone future pieces of this franchise. That was an opportunity that he was afforded, and that was an opportunity that he maximized upon. That has got to be the same mindset that Jonathan Leonard takes in no matter who he's going up, even if it is the number two line for Vegas. Yeah, obviously, um, they have a great team over there, and um, they're a deep team. Uh, got to be aware who's on the ice, and uh, you got to be good in the defensive zone. And, um, you know, I thought we did well for the most part. Uh, had a couple, you know, mistakes out there. But, um, you know, we got to play in their, in their end, and, um, you know, they can't create offense. When I listen to Leonard there, that sounds more like an NHL veteran, not like a guy that's in his first year. I think he's trying to be humble. I think he's trying to be respectful, but I don't think you're talking to a guy who is saying, oh, wow, look at me. I'm playing against Vegas's number two line. No, he's not. That's not his mindset. He's going out there trying to find that opportunity, trying to find those ways to help the Sharks win the game. And he had some of the Sharks' best looks, and that's exactly what you want to see from your younger players. They have this opportunity to prove themselves. They need to take advantage of it because with these younger players, their improvement and their progression combined with established stars will be what allows the Sharks to make this a good season or make this a disappointing season. 
One of the things that I'm looking at as of late that I think is a very encouraging side is you continue to see more and more positive play from Eric Carlson. He has looked better and better and better. His numbers, you know, from game to game, you can make of it whatever you want. I know the Sharks got shut off, shut out last night, so it's not like he was going to be racking up points last night. But when I watched him and his angles and his passes and his skating, it looked more like the Eric Carlson that joined the Sharks in 2018 and led the postseason in assists and maybe even points overall, I forget, uh, for the 2019 postseason. But I feel like the 16 points in 19 games that he had was not some sort of fluke. That was a high-level Eric Carlson producing at the level he is capable of doing. And he was also hurt at the same time. And when I'm watching him right now, it's starting to look more and more like that same Eric Carlson. Carly's Carly's playing hard and he's playing well. And, um, you know, I think when it was four and nothing, there was a couple turnovers. And that's just because he's trying to force things, trying to make things happen. But I like his game. I think that he's, uh, um, you know, he's a catalyst for our offense from the back end uh, on our exits. And, uh you know, he's playing with, uh, he's playing with urgency and, you know, he's, he's blocking shots and doing those kind of things. So, uh, you know, I, I like, uh, I like the way he's come back. And then Devin Dubnik last night, I did not think he had his best night ever as a member of the San Jose Sharks, but I don't think that he was specifically the problem. This is what Bugner had to say about Doobie. Yeah. I thought that, you know, Doobie, uh, especially early battled in and, and, uh, made some saves. We couldn't, you know, um, I didn't, uh, first goal, we sort of left them out to dry in a two on one and, uh, um, but you know, yeah, I thought that, uh, um, you know, when we don't score a goal, I think it's tough to even look at the goaltending. I thought he was fine. And this is what Dubnik had to say about his performance. You know, I felt, I felt really good in there. Um, just try to try to battle as hard, uh, as hard as I could for the guys. And, you know, they, they obviously made some couple good plays and, um, you know, I thought, uh, offensively, I thought we were, you know, we generated a lot, you know, flower played phenomenal and he's been, uh, he's been pretty good all year. So. Um, you know, you try not to let, uh, you just do your best to, to keep the lead as, as close as you possibly can. And I thought we generated a, a good amount of offense tonight. Um, you know, there's been some, some other, some of the other, uh, shadow games, maybe not as much, but I thought tonight we, we worked, uh, we worked hard to, um, create good offense, but, uh, you know, they're, they're a pretty opportunistic team as well. So they, um, they know how to capitalize when, when they get a, um, when they get a break or two. And Dubnik now has had his first taste of the Sharks-Vegas rivalry. He's been a part of it for two games. He was also asked about the vocal nature of that bench with Vegas, something I was alluding to earlier, and he offered this. Uh, yeah, they're definitely loud. You know, they, they stand up and and, uh, and cheer and, and make noise when, uh, you know, for block shots and things like that. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a positive thing, so... I think uh, it's certainly a lot more noticeable when there's when there's no one in the building. Obviously, you know it's something that uh, it's energy, so it's never it's never a bad thing. Yeah, Doobie nailed it. It is never a bad thing. It is energy, and it's more of what I want to see from the Sharks bench. I want to see them adopt that same mentality, and I think that's a huge part of the culture with Vegas and why they are having success. Yes. The players they have there, the talent level, it's a huge part of it. And like I alluded to earlier, guys have more to celebrate on Vegas right now than the Sharks do. But I also make the direct comparisons to how it's been with the Oakland A's for the last 20 years. And I think that that kind of more youthful and jovial nature is something that could be adopted by the Sharks.
Vegas is the bad guy. They are the villain in this league, but I don't want that to cloud your judgment of some of the things that they do positively. The Sharks can learn and look at that and apply that for themselves because I don't think that anyone views the Sharks as the villain, but if the Sharks do it in a fun-loving manner, it can be a bigger part of their identity. The qualifier here is that these are the musings of a talk show host. I am not an NHL player, an NHL captain, an NHL coach. So these are discussions that are, again, a little bit over my head in terms of what I want for the Sharks might not be what the Sharks want for themselves. The identity that I allude to, most importantly right now, needs to center around not losing and rather winning games. Because you know what would make cheering on the bench and vocal fun-loving nature happen more easily without some contrived push from the outside? Winning. There is no better recipe for chemistry than getting wins. Everybody's happier after a win. Everybody's happier after two consecutive wins, something the Sharks have not been able to do this year. And I think that a little bit of that grind, a little bit of that push has set in with the Sharks right now, especially considering the fact that they have not been able to win one now for three straight games. But the Sharks now have a day off before they're back at it again on Monday night, hosting St. Louis before they go out against the road. St. Louis, Anaheim, Anaheim. Three winnable games, in my opinion. St. Louis at home is a game you need to win. They have played St. Louis very well this year. Anaheim on the road, two straight games. Anaheim has broken their losing streak. They will now be looking to rebound, and they will be viewing the Sharks coming into their arena as an opportunity to do so. The Sharks have to view these as must win games. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic with that. And I know that there are a lot of games left, but the Sharks have to start building momentum at some point. They have to start winning these games in terms of the schedule. It doesn't get any quote unquote relatively easier. Like I said, until you get to the 22nd when you host LA at home for two, but for these next three hosting St. Louis and then a Friday, Saturday night against Anaheim, this is the time to put six points on your record and start climbing back into it. It's not looking good right now, but there is a long way to go, and there is still a lot of fight left in these Sharks. You get a little bit of rest now before this game against St. Louis, one game at a time, start making some momentum, start making the climb. All right. That wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I will talk to you all on Saturday morning for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network. Back to the point. Tipped on net there by Balser. Saved by Fleury on the rebound off Leonard's backhander. That's the second spectacular save that Fleury has made on John Leonard, who's trying to figure out how to beat number 29.